Because you don't got no sense. That's not true. You know what doesn't make sense? What? You saying that you would rather have no net rather than a double rim. That makes absolutely Any day no of the sense. week. Any day oh, of the week. That's terrible. Here. Welcome back to Kicking It With The Homie. It's your boy, CJ. Here with the man that is glad that he stopped by on his way to that bridge. Wow. I was not on my way to the bridge. <laughs> that completely threw me off. Now I see what I see what Avery be talking about. But it's Eugene back again for your listening pleasure. And one of the homies is not here. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, that homie is taking the night off because he went to a Christmas party and maybe partied a little too hard, is tired. We don't know when he listens to this episode. Maybe he'll come back next week and uh, give his excuses. But we're not going to dwell on that. Gene, how you feeling, beloved? Well, it's almost 11 o'clock, so I'm tired. It's word clearly past my bedtime. But I kind of want to play 2K. I won't, though. But I'm I'm tired. I'm just ready for this week to be over and for a lot of my company to be on Christmas break. Mm. I feel that. Do you? Because you're unemployed. This is also true. <laughs> I I work a job that does not end. And it's true. When the people in my company go on Christmas break, that's just overtime for me. Yeah, your people don't take Christmas. They don't take breaks. There's no breaks. No, 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 no. Because uh, <clears throat> they they go on break girl, from their they go on break from their other jobs. I was gonna say, big girl is about to get her Christmas break from school. Oh, but that just means that means overtime. Overtime. That's, overtime. that's all. That's all hands on deck. Yeah, yeah. And we we've been an emotional four year old lately, so that's oh. been that's been fun. Mercury must be in Gatorade because everybody's been emotional this week. <laughs> Yo, it must be it must be Mercury flavored Gatorade this week. So Shorty woke up this morning, right? And was like, Dad, is today a school day? And I'm like, Yeah, no, it's not. And then for the next 25 minutes, we argued about whether or not it was a school day. And I'm like, son, you you going to school today because I'm not dealing with this energy all day. Well, my little one, the six-year-old, he cried tonight because he wanted to go to school tomorrow. And I told him, you're not going to, it's a half day. I'm not going to wake up and take you to school for three hours and then have to turn around and come get you. And he's going to stay home. He's like, but we're doing fun stuff and I want to wear my fuzzy socks. <laughs> you, you, can wear, you can wear fuzzy socks at home. But I'm not sitting in a carpool line for 45 minutes to pick you up after three hours of school because you're doing fun stuff. So he cried, we watched Elf, we watched Pinky and the Brain, he got over it. It's amazing how quickly you can get them to get over things. Yeah. But that's a good segue, right? Because we are here to talk about growth and maturity tonight. Now, Eugene and I have known each other for... Golly, 15 years? 16? Ah, uh, 16. For 16 years, which means we got stories. 
we have seen we we were the best men in each other's weddings we as you guys heard in the last episode in which he featured we've been thick as thieves since day one and so we've seen each other grow so much except for that year that we lived together but didn't talk to each other oh well yeah that was a (laughs) that was a fun year (laughs) again growth and maturity Only time we talk was when it's time when it was time to pay a bill. <laughs> oh man, memories. So yeah. think it, thinking back on on your childhood, on your life, what would you say for yourself has been the biggest area of growth for you? I would say being responsible and taking responsibility for actions or the things that I'm supposed to be in charge of. Um, so from a child, I would say all the way up until early twenties, I just had the mindset that if I don't have to do it, I'm going to find a way to not do it. If I don't have to be blamed for it, I'm gonna find a way to get out of that blame. But that's a terrible mindset to have. It's a terrible way to live your life. And I realized growing, like, as I, pretty much as I got a family, you can't live life like that, especially when you got sons and you have to teach them how to be responsible. You can't shy away from responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I would say that has been one of the biggest areas of growth for me. And it's an area that I'm still working at because it's still that little kid in me that wants to say, "Mm, we don't really have to speak up and take the blame for that we can we can let people figure out who did it you don't have to say it was you you don't have to say that you messed it up you don't have to admit that you were wrong but there's the grown man in me that's like now you got you got to speak up yeah thinking thinking about that there's, there's a very particular time in which we were living together and i was trying to get you to clean something and you were like, nah, I didn't make that mess. And I'm like, fam, it's it's a common area. It's an accumulated mess. And you argued me down about not having to clean this common object <laughs> that we all use because you didn't make the mess. So I was so I was so mad at you that day. I'll take that. <clears throat> I'll take so, that. You know, growth, 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 and growth and maturity. I re- I respect it. Yeah. But I mean, now I'm looking around in my family, just like, oh, so nobody's just going to clean up anything that they didn't do. So I'm like, I'm, I'm eating that. I'm eating that that situation where I shied away from cleaning up the common space. Like, oh, so everybody's just going to walk past this trash right now. Nobody, <laughs> you, nobody. You just, just going to let the bag overflow? You, nobody you're just not going to tie it up? Nobody heard the cereal hit the floor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because. Like I talked to my mom. So growing up, Caribbean household, every Saturday at 4 a.m. Because if you wake up at 8, sure. the day is half gone. Y'all be up. Up. Uh, you had to get up and clean. And, I, you know, I would always say to my mom, like, you know, you act like this house is God. You act like, you know, you worship this house. And, she, you know, she'd always like, we need to keep it clean and all this other stuff. And now that I'm an adult. I'm like, all right, I, I see your frustrations. You, yeah. Because no one, I think there's a difference between mess and filth. Yeah. I can deal with things are, if they're a little unorganized, they're a little messy. 
but then it's just dirty and i can't deal with dirty i can't can't do it and kids are dirty yes my my son my my one-year-old is a scavenger so whenever the girls are eating whatever's left behind he's finding and eating (laughs) but he won't finish it and he'll just drop it all over the place and i'm like fam you're only one so it's hard to communicate to you the need to pick up after yourself but i'm like yeah i get it and you know my mom of course looks at me now and it's like see see you you thought i was overboard i'm like but you know you you can be right in the wrong way this is true yeah this is this is true i i too cannot deal with filth like there's a part of me that just sometimes i feel like i i don't want to live in a dirty house and so i want to do everything to not live in a dirty house and when i see things that are dirty, like sometimes you know okay things are going to get messy hey sometimes i may not be able to clean the tub on the regular basis that i need to but then it comes a point that I'm just like, okay, I got to stop everything and I got to get this tub cleaned. And yeah. so <clears throat> there's, there comes a point where you have to, you have to see that stuff is wrong. You're like, okay, I'm just going to take responsibility and get it cleaned. How does that translate outside of your home now to other areas of your life? Um, I mean, it's, I mean, my job, like I'm an executive assistant, so and with that, it it kind of plays a little bit differently because you're dealing like in a one-on-one type of relationship with your boss. Like I'm assisting my bosses. So like I'm the person who's like in charge of communicating for them and doing things for them. And sometimes executives are not the best communicators. But I can't really, I can't go back and forth and be like, well, no, on this day, you didn't tell me this, this, and this. Sometimes I just have to eat it. And just be like, okay, you didn't properly tell me what it is that you needed me to do, but I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and eat this and and change it for you and make sure that everything is okay. So sometimes I have to take more responsibility in like my professional life than I I actually should. That is again coming a long way. Cause there was yep. a time when you and I worked in a bar <laughs> together. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't doing wasn't nothing. Trying to do no extra. Work. <laughs> I wasn't doing nothing. We got off at twelve at eleven fifty eight. I was shutting everything down. Yo, every single. I'm like, yo, Gene, just, yo, just pick the thing up. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm nope. done. I ain't doing I'm nothing done. else. I'm done. It's twelve o'clock. I remember that was one time. You remember that? Oh, you wasn't there. One time, one of the servers sent in a ticket at. Sent in a ticket at. I'm going to say like the kitchen closed at 10. She sent in a ticket at 9.47. Didn't come down to communicate. Didn't say, hey, I need this. The ticket was like the length of a CVS receipt with all the modifications that she wanted. When I tell you, I was so mad. I, at one point I said, hey, you need to come down here and make this salad for yourself. <laughs> and I did. I got in trouble for that, for telling the server that. But I felt vindicated. Because there's no reason you should send me this. I'm, it's not my job to make you lunch. Like, if we have the capacity to do it, I will. But I'm the only person down here. And you are one of four servers upstairs doing nothing. So um, I say all that to say there was a time that I wasn't doing any extra work. That is, that's how you thrive in abundance. Flourishing. Yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> Shout out to Kelly. Uh, word. Dag, I had a I had another question for you, but I forgot what it was. Because you're doing like 18 different things right now. Yeah, because I had I was uh, taking a picture of you to post on Instagram. Let people know you, you're coming back. You let, let them know you're coming though? back. I mean, people, people already know I'm coming back. We don't need to post any pictures. Hey, listen, content. The streets need content. Okay. You know, I when I think a lot about growth and maturity, I always think about this idea that girls mature faster than boys. And I got I got some thoughts on that. I think speak, that speak your thoughts, King. <laughs> Please allow me to psychologize for a moment, brother. Preach, King. You know, they say that girls mature faster than boys. And I think I, I don't think that's entirely true. I think what happens is we, we know that inherently boys and girls are different. Um, and so what often happens is in school, you'll you'll judge a boy, a boy or, or a girl's maturity by their ability to sit down for eight hours and be attentive. And we know from a biology standpoint, boys are not wired that way. So from very early on, you're looking at this six-year-old boy and his inability to sit still. I'm 34 and I can't sit still. And you go, he's less mature because the little girl who girls seem to be more wired to be able to sit still and pay attention uh, in that way. You go, he's he's less mature um, than she is. But I'm like, you, it, it's a weird way to, to, to measure maturity. So then what happens is we take that assumption and we carry it through the rest of life. And so I think boys, because, you know, patriarchal society, boys are held to a lower standard and therefore they're treated as such. And girls are given, again, patriarchal society, they're given more responsibility at an earlier age. And it's often uh, because girls are expected to do those things. And because boys are not, they're allowed to, to be children much longer. And then you look and you go, oh, they're less mature. And it's, it's almost like this, this kind of self-perpetuating thing. I remember a good example of this. Back in high school, I had a job that paid me $5.65 an hour. This was my senior year, $5.65 an hour, co-captain of the step team, co-captain of the debate team. I'm on student government. And I was doing something else but I'm doing mad stuff. And I make the decision that I'm not going to go to this job that pays me $5 and 65 cents an hour anymore. Cause it's not worth it. Now, my good old Caribbean mother being the woman that she is acted like I was the worst man, laziest man on earth because I didn't have a job. Now, mind you, I didn't have a job for two months. I found a new job paying $12 an hour, only working. I think it was three days a week as opposed to the 565, five days a week. And there was a, a girl who was like a friend of the family, same age as me. And she looks at me and goes, you know, she's more mature than you. And I'm like, why, why do you say that? Now me and this girl are really good friends. So I know she's not. And she was, because she has a job. I'm like, you, you, so you think that the measure of maturity is her having a job, even though she's not good at her job. She got the job because her mother got it for her. And she can't think her way out of a paper bag. We're measuring maturity by the wrong things. 
I, to this day, would contend 17 years later that I made the mature decision to focus on school and my extracurricular activities there over a job that wasn't paying me anything. Couldn't even, the job couldn't even afford to pay for my Jordans that I so desperately needed every two weeks. Well, then so, it needed to go. The job needed to go. If it's not exactly. going to support the Jordans, it needs to go. Fam, back in high school, I, I used to buy sneakers, hide them in the washing machine, and then when my mom went to bed, take them out and go just throw them in the closet. But it was it, it just it just goes to show that like it was we have these weird ways of trying to to measure maturity. So like if a guy is is more jovial at you know whatever age, it's like oh he you know he's not mature because he's making jokes all the time. And it's like this weird self seriousness is not a sign of maturity. Like if you can't handle responsibility, if you can't take care of yourself, if you can't do what is reasonably expected of you at your age but you're quiet or you have a job. So you, so you're mature. It's like, it, it, it's a, it's a weird yeah. metric. <clears throat> um, yeah, I concur with that. I feel like in some areas, women do mature. I feel like in the ability to, okay, I need to take life serious and I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life at the age of 14, 15, I need to prepare myself to be, is that because society expects that of them? Do we put that pressure yeah. on them, causing them to mature faster? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's, you know, them doing, I think they're groomed into believing that over over the course of their life from a young age that by the age of 13, 14, I need to start preparing myself to be a wife in 10 years. And so with that, learning how to be responsible around the house, learning how to take control of the family and learning how to wash clothes and iron and cook and all of those things. I think that a patriarchal society puts that type of pressure on them at a very young age. But in the same sense, there's areas that I feel like women may not mature as fast as guys when it comes to you know, problem solving. I think there's a different level of maturity that men have when it comes to problem solving than women do when it comes to problem solving. That's just me not trying to isolate any any of our any of our listeners. We love all of you. You you go ahead and get yourself in trouble. <laughs> you, you go on. You preach your truth, King. This is not my just, truth. This is I'm his just truth. talking. I'm just talking in general from women that I have encountered in all areas of my life. I've never encountered a woman that's not my wife, so I don't know what you're talking about. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> you are a liar. <laughs> I don't but even I just know my like... sister. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, Tiffany when they played the game. <laughs> All I think about is Derek. That's it. <laughs> Girl, so do I, but that's nasty. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, but I mean, that right there, us joking in the middle of a serious conversation, like some would say that that's immature. But I think that being able to juggle a serious conversation and throw some humor in that and still come back to the seriousness of the conversation while still getting your serious point across. I, I would argue that that is a sign of maturity, that you're able to juggle multiple things at, at the same time while still being 
serious in what it is that you're communicating. I would agree, sir. I would agree. Yeah. But we we are not social psychologists. We are just two all. guys who, who who've lived just, a little and just two just our, two friends kicking it. Just two homies. It, we're, just, we're just two homies kicking it. <laughs> and you know, it, it could very well be anecdotal, but I, I think there's some truth there. But I'm a, let us I'm know. A let us know in the comments what you think, or or not. I, <laughs> no, let, or, let us know in the not. comments. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> please, any any uh, feelings you have, please at Trace Ninos Brown on Instagram. He's here to answer all of your questions. <laughs> you can add me all you want to. I may or may not answer. <laughs> You know, one of the one of the things I think about again, we've we've known each other for 16 years. I I look back to when we first met. And there are some stories that go along with this. I was a bit of a hothead. Like I would, I don't know if it if it's the Brooklyn in me, if it's the Trini in me, but I I was ready to go. And Brooklyn and it, Trini it, is a is a deadly combination. It's a deadly combination, and that's, I, like, a, that's like a Long Island iced tea, <laughs> <laughs> or an Incredible Hulk. Oh, throw it back. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think it was it was very clear that I did not know how to handle my emotions or how to handle confrontation, and the way that resulted is in you know. 16 years later, I can look back and go, it's the traits of toxic masculinity that says, if you are offended, you have to fight. You have to be, being the bigger man is not the man who walks away, but it's the man who hits first and asks questions later. You, you, you remember that time we went to time lounge? Um, I, I don't know if I recall what you're talking about, my brother. Oh, well, let me, let me talk of your memory, beloved. I feel like you don't need to do that. I'm just trying. I'm just. Hey, I'm just trying to add to the content. I'm just trying to give a story <laughs> that is in context of what you are speaking right now about you being a mm. hothead and the differences mm. of two guys same age, but the different levels of their maturity and able to to step back and look at a at a situation differently. I don't know if I would call <clears throat> your actions in the moment. Okay. You made a more mature decision, but it was a decision of self-preservation, which I which guess I, is a sign of maturity. Please go on to tell your funky little story. My funky little story. It's our, once again, it's our story. I'm going to interrupt our, you the entire time, which is bad podcasting, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just letting you know now. Go ahead. Okay. But you're only going to interrupt if I'm not telling the truth? We'll see. Okay. So we went, we went to this club called bar called time lounge and it was college night is early 2006 so we are sophomores in college at the, nah, that, that was oh that was our sophomore year that was sophomore oh. year that was sophomore year because i remember the argument that i had before i came to time lounge and we're not going to go any further into that argument but <clears throat> it was sophomore year so we're there and there's this girl there she's a freshman so we've known her what a month maybe two at this point and she blurts out 
oh, this girl trying to fight me. Now she used some other words, but you know, I'm a God friend, man. I'm a Christian man. So I don't use those words anymore. I'm going to keep it PG. I don't use those words anymore. So she said, this girl's trying to fight me. And everybody from Jay Wu, we're all there together. And we're like, oh, not one of our people. Now, five minutes before she yelled this out, I had just dapped up a dude that I went to high school with. Now, if you all remember from the last time I was on, I am from the DMV area, lived in Maryland, went to school with this guy that I dapped up in D.C. So we dapped up. We said, hey, didn't know you was down here. He went to another school that was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that was it. Now, I realized that he was with the group of people that allegedly smacked this girl that was with the group of people I was with. So then everybody, this pseudo fight tries to break out. (laughs) (laughs) This fight tries to break out. And I realized, okay, I have to pick a side. And so we get outside and there's a guy who says, hey, we going up to the school. So Claude being the hothead that he is, he's like, yeah, we going up there. And so in the car, I'm telling Claude. I said, if it's war, it's war. He said, if it's war, it's war. Claude's ready to ride for his hitters. <laughs> Me, being the aware person that I am, this is like maybe a week or two before Thanksgiving break. So I'm like, hey, I'm not getting out there fighting because I just saw a dude that I went to school with. And if I get out there and fight with y'all and he's out there, fighting against y'all when we go back home y'all not going to be there it's just going to be me and him in the middle of the mall now see what i remember is me saying to you you ain't about this life keep the car running i'm gonna go up there i'm gonna throw them hands and then when i when it's time to get away i'm gonna run the car and you drive off that's exactly what you said because i told you i'm not getting out the car (laughs) so i kept the car running around the corner you get out there and it was just you i think one of the let let me tell this part of the story let me tell tell, this part because because i was not there so i don't know exactly who was there you were there so you know who was out there with you so there was one guy from our school who was the lead instigator he was the one who was hyping everybody up talking about Yo, we going up there. We all going up there. We not going to let anybody mess with us. So I'm thinking, all right, cool. We going to scrap. So we pull up to Johnson C. Smith, which was the other school. And I step out of the car. It's me. It's a shorty to my left. A dude to my right. And then another dude next to him. It's the four of us. And I'm looking. I'm like, all right, let's go. And I was like, wait, to the guy on the far right. I was like, who are you? He's like, oh, I don't know. I just like to fight. And I saw y'all was going. So I was rolling with y'all. <laughs> I'm like, all right, where's everybody else? And then I look ahead of me. And I'm pretty sure the entire campus of Johnson C. Smith was coming towards us. And at, at that point, I made a, a mature, I made a business decision. Yes. I counted one, two, three, four versus what looked like a million. <laughs> and I hightailed it back to that car. And I I don't think I think I hopped in through the window. I don't think I even opened the door. And I was just like, drive, 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 get out of here. <laughs> so I skedaddled out like I was supposed skedaddled. to. Skedaddled. But in that moment, that shows the differences of two guys, same age, but being a product of 
our upbringing and saying, because me, I always had to be aware of my surroundings. I always had to be on the lookout for who was around me. That's just a part of the growing up, I'm going to say near the city, but spending a lot of time in the city. Come on, beloved. I'm from Brooklyn. Don't don't act like I had, I ain't have to be aware. But okay, you being from Brooklyn and Trini played into you being a high head ready to fight. Oh yeah, we chose violence. Yeah, y'all, y'all chose violence. I wasn't choosing violence because I understood one, the person that was the instigator, I didn't trust him in any way in the first place. And so we'll save the second half of that story <laughs> for, another, for another episode. <laughs> I didn't try. I didn't trust it. I didn't trust it anyway. So I was like, mm, I'm not about to go fight for this dude and this girl who's been who I've known for less than two months. Cause school, this was like near November at this point. So I had known her for I'd known who she was for two months. I didn't actually know her. And the girl didn't even come back for second semester. So that would have truly been a waste of time to go out there and fight on her behalf. <clears throat> yeah 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 so you know you you live and you learn yeah uh <clears throat> i think the one of the biggest areas of of actually of, of i would say growth and maturity that came for me in college was just the ability to take care of myself mm-hmm. i so we, our school had trimesters and I was there for the first trimester and the second trimester I couldn't afford to pay for. And so I decided to stay in Charlotte because I I felt like if I went back home, I wasn't going to come back. And then like, I wouldn't have gone to college and, and all of that. So I stayed in Charlotte and I was working. What else, what else was keeping you in Charlotte though? I stayed in Charlotte (laughs) and I was working and I moved in with our boy Digby. And, you know, it was, I don't know. It was just, I had to learn I'd like how to pay bills on time. Like I was paying a phone bill before that, but this is rent. This is paying for a car. This is, you know, all, all of those things. And then I, I had to learn how to cook. <laughs> yeah. Oof. You know, one of those things where we talk about the pressures that are put on, on girls much earlier than boys. Like my sister was responsible for making dinner for us from, from the time she was like 10 years old. Therefore I never had to learn and I never showed an interest in learning, but I got to college I, I think I showed up at college with like $200 in my pocket and that money ran out quick. And quick, so I had quick. To, had to figure, I had to figure it out. And so it was, it was a crash course at 17, where we 17, 18 at the time. It was a crash course for me and just really learning how to take care of myself, how to budget, how to prioritize. Back then I had a credit card where the, the max was like $400. How do you make that work? And then also, how are you able to pay that off? Because in hindsight, I look like $400 is nothing. But at that age, that was everything. And having a $400 credit card bill, I was like, yo, I don't, they go, they about to put me under the jail because I don't know how I'm going to pay this. You you realize growing up that they they don't put you under jail. They just mess up your credit. Mm-hmm. And, they, and them interest rates be high. Ooh. Thank God I never got a credit card in college i got like a a store card but that was it i never signed up like them them tables that were at the school trying to get you to sign up i never i never did it 
that's how I got mine. And the most they gave me four hundred dollars. And I think by the end of senior year, it was at six hundred. One of my boys went to another school. One of those tables freshman year gave him a credit card with a twenty thousand dollar limit. What? And of course, because we don't learn financial literacy in high school, he was like, oh, this free money maxed it out. And yo, I mean, his parents almost killed him. But he's like, I didn't know. And, you know, you look back and you recognize the innocence you have at 18. He was like, oh, yeah, someone's giving me $20,000. And, you know, we didn't talk about money in my home like that. No. Learning about credit and balancing your checkbook and all that. So how were we supposed to know? I'm I'm grateful that I only got a $400 limit. Lord knows it would have been crab legs for everybody if I had $20,000. Shout out, shout out to Jameis. (laughs) but even even with like talking about financial literacy and like the maturity that it takes to be responsible with your money i remember after we got married i think we were we were have been married for two years three years at this point and the space jam 11s were coming out and i knew that they were coming out at the beginning of the year so what I told myself was that I was going to save all of my cash tips and at the end of the year, I'll have enough to get them, get them on my own. Cause I'm like, I don't want to take away from our family budget and I don't want to, I don't want it to be a strain like on us as a family, like me trying to get these shoes. So I'm like, I'll just, I'll hold on to them. I'll use the cash to get it. So we get to like the end of the, this is like maybe two weeks before the shoes are coming out and we doing our budget. Shout out to my wife because she likes to put the budget together and I appreciate her for that because I don't really like spreadsheets like that. So she's putting it together and she's looking at it. She's like, we're short like $200. And I I was mm-hmm. like maybe $20 away from having all the money that I needed to get the shoes. So I, I set everything up. I had somebody who was going to pull a raffle ticket. This is back when you had to do a raffle to get into the store. You still got to do that for shoes, but it was a, it was a little bit crazy. It was the early days of raffles. Y'all, y'all kids don't know about that. So this is the early days of raffles. And like the only way to really guarantee that you're going to get the shoes is if you have somebody pull a ticket for you. So my boy was working at a shoe store and he was going to pull the ticket for me. And he I found out like the I found out like a week or two before that I wasn't gonna have the money for it so I gave my wife the money I was like hey here we go let's put this towards whatever bills we short on and I'm not gonna lie part of me cried because I had those had the space jams before and I had to sell them in order to pay my car note because my car note was in my dad's name and the only thing he told me was I don't care what you do, just make sure you make this payment because I don't want it to mess up my credit. And so I was like, I got to make this payment however I need to. So I sold my my old Space Jams to Christian. Shout out to Christian. Yeah, to, you did sell them to me. No, I didn't sell them to They were, a, they, I were, we were a 10 and a half, 11. They were a nine and a half. Oh, dang. Yeah, but that's how bad I wanted them. All right, yeah. <laughs> and Chris, Christian, took them. <laughs> Christian took them so I had to sell them to him so I was like okay next time they come out I'm getting them and I couldn't get them because I had to make a mature decision okay am I going to 
keep this money from my wife and my family and stress about how we're going to make these bills, but I'm going to have some new shoes or am I just going to have to cough it up and figure out how to get the shoes another way? Now, thankfully, all my friends came together and they got, they helped get the shoes and they, they actually gifted me the shoes. So shout out to y'all, all of y'all that came together, Byron, you, Christian, Brandon, Jason, shout out to all of y'all that came together and got the shoes for me. Um, but I was like legit sad that I was not getting those shoes that time, but I had to make a mature decision that I, I got to put my personal desires aside because I got a family to support. What would you say is since, since you've been married, which is what, eight years now, right? Eight. Yeah. Eight and a half. What, yeah. what would you say is the biggest area of growth that you've seen within yourself? <clears throat> um, that's a hard question. We didn't talk about these questions beforehand. Do you want me to go first to give you time to stall? You go ahead. You you go <laughs> ahead. Cause I need to think about that. Uh, I feel like if I, I think... if I say off the top of the dome, I might my my wife might divorce me. So let me. I gotta put some thought <laughs> into it. <laughs> I I think the biggest area of growth for myself over the last seven years it's it's being comfortable with who i am it's uh you know my mom and i were actually talking about this this morning you know i've i've shared extensively on this podcast and in my writings about the amount of insecurity i feel in life the amount of uh insecurity i felt my entire life and you know, it was a, it was a few years, I'd say probably about two or three years into marriage, you know, when I turned 30, when I really started to get comfortable with, no, this is who I am. And there is nothing ontologically wrong with me because of my particular quirks or, or things that I like, or I'm into. And what that did for me in terms of my marriage is, I think it made me a better husband because I wasn't trying to be who I thought she she wanted me to be and I was just being myself the man she fell in love with and for my kids I get to show up as my full self and that in turn teaches them you don't need to wear a mask wherever you go and the thing that really unlocked this for me is I was in therapy and my counselor was like yo have you ever have you ever felt comfortable in any room you've been in and I was like, nah, I haven't. And he's like, all right, so what do you do? And I was like, you know, I just kind of, you know, adjust to the room that I'm in. I, I be what I think the room needs or wants me to be. And, he go, and this was at the time my wife was pregnant with our first child. And he goes, okay, cool. So when that kid gets here, is that what you're going to teach them? To don't be yourself, be whoever you think they want you to be. And that joint, it's like, it hit me like a sack of bricks. I was like, dang, yeah, like I, I want my little girl, my two little girls and my boy, I want them to grow up being comfortable in who they are. And a large part of that I know is going to come from them seeing me be comfortable in who I am and praise them for who they are. So that I felt like that has been revolutionary for me personally. And, and it's just really grown and expanded over the last four years. Okay. Yeah, I can I can kind of attest to that 
being comfortable with who I am. Um, Because for a long time, like, I just, I felt like it was weird for me to be into drama and musicals and like i have friends like you I mean, you still me. you still weird <laughs> <laughs> but even even you calling me weird like me being okay with okay yeah i'm gonna go watch hello dolly this weekend or i'm gonna go i'm gonna go like i have a playlist <laughs> <laughs> i have a playlist of about 200 show tunes that i will listen to like at any given moment and sing all of the songs at the top of my lungs and you know being every a, single word every single word and it took me a while like i wasn't okay with that like in elementary school and high school it really wasn't until i got married that i realized my wife is bad and she's with me for me i really don't have anybody else to impress like I really, I really don't have any like there's there's nothing else that I need to do. Like I have my wife, so I'm good. And like I think it was like on our honeymoon, I was just looking at her like, Dag, I've I'm done. Like I'm done trying to please everybody else and be something for everybody else. But even even in marriage, I've found that it's hard for me to be honest about how I feel. Because at the end of the day, as a man, I don't want to disappoint my wife. Like, I want to be her hero. And I feel like, okay, if I tell you the truth about how I feel sometimes, that can disappoint you. And that can that can upset you. And, like, that's the last thing that I want to do. Like, we had a conversation today, and I just had to let her know, like, I'm frustrated with you. Because I asked you to do something a long time ago and like it just you just did not do it but like there was a time that I would I would just suppress it I would just go along with everything and not say what I was frustrated about not express why I was upset just walk around huffing and being silent and her asking me what's wrong and my immediate responsibility oh nothing I'm fine I'm just a little bit tired but not being honest about how I really felt and I think that that has been a big area of growth for me like being okay with expressing myself. Cause at the end of the day, my wife isn't going to divorce me because I told her that I was upset with something that she did. And likewise, I'm not going to divorce her because she told me she was disappointed in something that I did. So we're not going nowhere. I can be honest with you. <laughs> I can be honest with how I feel. I can be honest with what's going on with me. I can be honest about what I'm thinking about. And it's not going to ruin our marriage. It may be a little bit uncomfortable and difficult at that moment, but it's not, we're not going to throw the marriage away. So, yeah, I think that that has been my biggest area of growth in marriage. I respect that. I think that if I'm honest, that's an area that I know I, I still need to grow in. And I've, I've come a long way, but I still have far to go. I have far too many conversations in my head that I don't Mm -hmm. actually have with my wife. And so when the conversation does actually happen, she's getting the 17 trial runs that I had in my head already (laughs) and those outcomes. And for me, this is just time number 18. And for her, this is the first conversation. I'm like, nah, son, because I told you. And she's like, when? I'm like, in my head, three weeks ago. You don't remember that? (laughs) But it's funny because we we actually we do it to each other. And so 
we yes we're constant we're constantly like tussling with each other like all right we we need to need to speak up need to say what's on our minds all right so i know you don't want to talk about this because you feel like it's cliche but we're we're about to enter a new year we're really doing what yeah oh yeah we really doing it what are you hoping for in terms of continued growth and thriving in abundance for 2022 i think my biggest thing that i want to continue in is being honest with how i feel and being unapologetic unapologetic not taking back how I feel that that word is that word is stressing me out right now, but <laughs> but not you know being able to say this is how I feel or this is what I believe I'm not going back on that. This is how I think things need to be done. Like as a husband, saying this is how we need to do things and not being afraid of what the outcome is going to be or how the response is going to be from this family that I have to lead. Cause at the end of the day, it's on me to make the decisions for the house. Now we, we do talk about things. We do discuss things, but at the, when we come to a, to a impasse and, you know, we're both, we're not seeing eye to eye. It's on me to say, okay, this is what we're going to do and lead the family. I respect it. How about you, good sir? What are you looking for? How about me? Hmm. You better have an answer. Because I, I didn't even want to talk about this tonight. <laughs> I asked the question and I, I didn't think of what my response would be. That's uh, on you. you better think about it. Growth and maturity for 2022. I, I think what I'm... I want to see myself grow in the area of happiness and joy. Uh, I I talked about in the last episode how I'm not as happy. I'm not really happy right now, and I'm not I'm not the same. I'm not the same happy person you met 16 years ago, and I I want to get that joy back, and I I have to understand that my joy can't be tied to life circumstances. It can't be tied to the present moment. And so it's just, it's just learning. I, I really want to grow in, in reclaiming, reclaiming my joy. Uh, in addition to that, I want, I'm trying to grow as a communicator, not, not a podcast communicator, not as a writer, but in my life with the people I love communicating well and better so that's where that's where i'm at let me ask this about your goal for 2022 hear this man go you said you want to reclaim your joy what was it that you were joyful about that you lost i don't know i don't i don't know if i if i lost anything in particular I think, I mean, you know what my life has been like the last few years and a lot of, a lot of the, the struggles and pain points. And I think, I don't know if you remember that Anthony Hamilton song, uh, 
we just about life has a way of humbling you down. And I think that there's just been a, an element of how hard the last few years have been that that's just, it has me in this place of being just really tired and on some level sad. And I recognize that a lot of what I'm feeling is tied to what I feel like I don't have or where I feel like I should be, things that ultimately are not things that would bring me joy anyway. Because I understand life well enough to know you can be striving for X, get X, become very bored and disillusioned with X very quickly and they go, all right, well, now I need Y. Like, it's never enough. I always think of the, the John Rockefeller quote where he's richest man in the world, right? Reporter says, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money do you need? And his answer was just a little more. Like, that, like that's the way, you know, our brains and hearts work. And so that's why I said, you know, figuring out that joyful piece that's not tied to present circumstances, like not having a job. Like, yeah, I should be really joyful right now that I get to be with my kids in a way that most fathers aren't at a time where, you know, these are these are formidable years. Like I'm getting some of the sweetest moments that we often miss out on. And on my on my good days, because I don't want it to sound like I'm just sad all day, every day, because I'm not. Uh, But on, on my good days, I recognize that I love it. I'm in it. Today, we played the Elmo slide 15 times in a row, and I hit that Elmo slide every single time, even though my knees hurt. <laughs> but, on my, but on my bad days, on the days where I'm tired, where they won't stop crying, where, where it's just hard, I start to find myself saying, wouldn't it just be better over there? Knowing that yeah. whatever job I get, I'm going to be complaining about that joint within a month. Yep. <laughs> my last job which I don't talk too much about this place, but my job before my last one was wild, flexible, wild, amazingly flexible. You know what my days were like. Yeah. I get this new job and they were like, all right, we work nine to five, Monday through Friday in the office. By the end of my first week, I was like, yo, y'all come here every day, (laughs) all day. Are you serious? My last job, I would go see movies on Fridays. <laughs> I instituted movie yeah. Friday because I'm like, yo, I'm just, I'm trying to go see what's new. Yeah, you you showed up whenever you wanted to. Yo, because I could then, work from anywhere. And then sat there and watched a movie or a TV First show all, while you were at work. I did work while I was doing <laughs> these things. <laughs> the second screen experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, something that you said, like, I think you really... This is just me. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. But you gonna psychologize me right now? I'm I'm gonna psychologize you a little bit. For good. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Umar. Um, I think part of and I feel like as men, we're wired to to couple our happiness and our joy with success. And that success is always tied to what we do in our professional career. 
Mm-hmm. And so with the lack of that, it's like, well, what am I supposed to be happy about? What what am I supposed to be striving towards? But it takes it takes a lot. Like it's a lot to rewire yourself when you've been when you've thought about when that's been your mindset pretty much your entire life because that's what you're taught. And yeah. when you're a kid, when you're a little boy, you're like, hey, you gotta work hard and you gotta go to college. So you can get the good job and you can have the successful life and have all the money, which is a lie because when you graduate in two, when you graduate in two thousand nine at the peak of a recession. Looking for a job in finance. Looking for a job in hospitality after getting fired from a hotel a month before you graduate. In a city that had like four hotels. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're like, well, dad, what is what is my what am I supposed to be happy about? What am I supposed to take Mm -hmm. joy in? And so it takes a lot for us to rewire ourselves and say, you know, I can be happy about sitting at home, spending time with my family, sitting at home, spending time with my kids. I can I can be happy about cooking for my family and doing the laundry for my family and making life easier for my wife. Oh, well, you you know I'm happy about cooking. That's I know that I know. that bring, that brings me joy. I know you are, Yo. big boy. <laughs> the, you know the funny <laughs> thing about what you're saying is, you know me. I'm not this career oriented person. No. I'm not this guy who's like I need to make it to the top of X field. I'm trying to retire at 45 so I can do whatever I want which would probably honestly just be sitting down and writing all day. But it's like, you're right. We are, we are taught you, you are what you do. Yeah. And for me, who has in my head, I haven't been doing anything like being home with three kids is nothing. Like if I, if I feel like I'm not doing anything, then it's like, oh man, I know. What am I? Yeah, look, look, look at you with the insight. See, see this is growth and maturity <laughs> from Eugene on a level that y'all do not understand. I'm, yo, I, I'm proud of you right now, beloved. So I'm, I'm, use, I'm usually the ignorant one. Ignorant. So they so they say. So they say. No, no. I, for a long time, <laughs> I thought somebody was just going to punch you in the face one day. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to have your back. Whenever the day comes, I'm going to laugh, but I'm going to have your back. But see, maturity is you're able to make fun of people in their face and know how how to keep it PG enough that they won't get that mad at you. Nah, so there's you, only been one you, 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 there's only been one time that a guy wanted to punch me. That's the exact story I'm thinking of. And I, I stepped to him because I'm like, there's too many people out here. I'm not gonna back down and everybody say that I'm a I'm soft. So I'm a step to him. He was literally six inches taller than me six seven inches taller than me i stood up to his chest and his friends pulled him back and i turned around like yeah y'all better but in my (laughs) mind i was like thank god because i didn't have to fight him in this skating ring parking lot nah so you you had and get beat down you had i was gonna let you get beat down i don't fight fair i'm from brooklyn i don't fight fair either i'm little (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right that's that's enough for tonight Before we go, you know, we like to end the show on a joyful note. So what's bringing you joy right now? Um, the succession finale and all the Easter eggs that it had, that's really bringing me joy. Um, if y'all haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but 
there's a lot of Easter eggs and pay attention to everything that happens in that finale because it is telling as to what's really going on and it sets up stories for the next season. Should we start the unofficial official succession pod next season? Oh, you want to do a you want to do a succession pod? You you, I, you I actually a, feel a, like you a succession head now. <laughs> yes, you put me on. I feel like we we could have some good pods on a lot of the shows that we watch together, but that's we really could. But day. you you the thing is, you watch all the shows late. Yeah, I I don't know how you have the time to watch all the shows on time. Honestly, I don't know either. Because you don't sleep. I mean, I do sleep. I just don't sleep a lot. Yeah, I don't I don't understand that. I really don't. But yeah. that's all right. But what, what is bringing you joy? What's bringing me joy? I ask this question every week, and every week I scramble for an answer at, that, at the moment. Uh, what's bringing me joy right now? You know what? I had some bomb pancakes today. I woke up with a craving for pancakes, and we had pancakes for dinner. I had these pumpkin walnut pancakes from Tom's Diner. Been in Brooklyn since 1946. <laughs> the people can't see what you just did, but it's all right. Uh, yeah, those those pancakes brought me joy. Outside of that, oh, yo, I think this is the first episode since it's been ready or available. But uh, a lot of movement has happened with Labor Forward over the last few weeks. Our calendar, Kings and, Kings and Queens Dream, is available. Of course, the infographics are there. You can sign up for the Black History course, Miseducated, Reteaching 400 Plus Years of Black History. And I can officially announce this now. In February, we will be releasing a podcast called Minneapolis Burning. You'll be able to find that on all of your platforms. We are in post-production right now. I had a meeting about that actually before this. And it's a it's a story that I'm excited to share to share with you all. So that that's bringing me joy right now is it's it's seeing the completion of some projects. Wow, I feel like what was bringing me joy was so superficial. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna stick by it. Um, I also <clears throat> forgot to mention what else is bringing me joy. The fact that Christmas is almost here and it is about yes. to be over. <laughs> I realized growing up, if, since we're talking about growth and maturity, Scrooge wasn't that far off with how he felt about Christmas. Ah, son, I'm, you know, I'm growing, you know, you know, growing up, like you were like, oh, Batman, he's the hero. Forget the Joker. And then when you become a doll, you're like, you know what, Joker really he wasn't wrong. He had some points. Yeah, Scrooge, we, we should we should hear him out. We should hear Scrooge out. We should we should hear Scrooge and the Grinch out. They they may have some points. Now I'm not saying like I hate Christmas, but if I had to choose a time of the year that I'm going to say is my favorite, I'm picking Thanksgiving over Christmas. Oh, I'm taking Thanksgiving any day. But I'm I'm taking Thanksgiving. Now Christmas still, does have the Christmas, Christmas does have the fire basketball game, so I'm here for that. Yeah. But like the rest of it, the eight songs that come with Christmas, there's eight Christmas songs just sung a different way by 347 different people. But what's but they're great songs. 
They're great songs. It's all the same songs. Okay. Different renditions. I, I'm here no. for it. I'm, I'm not. I, there's only but so many ways you can sing this Christmas. I, Chris Brown is still my favorite. I gotta go with Donnie. I'm sorry. Mm. Donnie's Donnie's number two. I'm gonna no. Nah. I gotta Don Donnie is number Donnie is number one. Really, if I didn't trick. listen to it, if I didn't listen to it as a kid from the tape boxes that my father had in the car, especially for Christmas, then it wasn't. It's not a. It's not a top Christmas song. See, my my trick for Christmas music is I don't play it until the day after Thanksgiving. And then I'm really only listening to Christmas music once or twice a week from then until Christmas. So I, I don't get oversaturated with it. I don't get tired of it because it's so, so minimal. But it's everywhere you go. Oh, I every don't go sing- nowhere. Every single store. How you don't go nowhere? You don't got no job. You got nothing else exactly. to do. I'm with the kids. You, you <laughs> trying to, you let me know how you feel dragging a four year old, a two year old, and a one year old. Oh, you got it anywhere. You got it. You got it exactly. And the one year old can walk now. Forget it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what I'm, I'm gonna do when I'm Jackson starts out. walking. Sorry, put a leash on him. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what else is giving, bringing me joy. The fact that Christmas is almost here and it's almost done. Well, with that. Enjoy your Christmas. Uh, I believe, I think this is going to be the last episode for the year. We'll be back in 2022 with more. There will be a kickback coming to you the day after Christmas, but this is the last uh, kicking it with the homie for the year. So have a wonderful Christmas. Have a happy new year. Yo, and happy, happy Kwanzaa, beloved. I'm going to just say happy holidays because <laughs> you're mentioning too many things, too many words. It's almost midnight. Happy holidays Yo, to everyone. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Thank you for kicking it with the homies. Donnie Yo. Hathaway is the greatest. Kicking it with the homie. Kicking it with the homie. Kicking it with the homie. Oh, oh.